You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to episode number two of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. My name is Scott Worthington, and I have the privilege of leading alongside Pastor Vance at Hope Church here in Las Vegas. I'll be your host for this podcast that we're praying will help you and your leadership as you join in God's activity wherever you are. If you just came across this podcast and have not listened to episode one, I encourage you to press pause, go back and download episode one to hear the heart of this podcast and hear Pastor Vance's story, how God called him and his family to Las Vegas, now going on 19 years ago. Today, we're going to jump into some more solid content about life and leadership. And I, of course, am joined again with Pastor Vance Pittman. Vance, how are you doing? Doing great, Scott. Had a great day in the study this morning, getting ready for the weekend. Looking forward to today. Awesome. I want to jump right into our conversation today. And to do that, I'd love to give some background to something we say here at Hope a lot. We say being around Christianity and being a Christian are not the same thing. Can you expound on that a bit and how you personally came face to face with this reality early on in your leadership? Sure thing, Scott. I am, you know, my story, I told some of it last time, but I became a Christ follower, Jesus follower, when I was a freshman in college. And when I came to know Jesus, um, I didn't come from a long line of Christians. My parents were first generation Christians, first Christians on either side of my family. Um, But my dad, after becoming a Christian, became a pastor. And so growing up in a pastor's home, I was around Christianity a lot. And I had to learn early on that being around Christianity and being a Christian are not the same thing. So even though I'd been around Christianity my whole life, it wasn't until I was a freshman in college that I truly came to know Jesus relationally and personally. Uh, And because I had grown up around church, I made a critical mistake early on in my Christian journey. I, I confused spiritual maturity with spiritual activity. Um, I thought the more that I did, the more I performed, the more I measured up, the more spiritual I was. As a matter of fact, there's a quote by Henry Blackaby. Uh, He says something like this. We're so activity oriented that we assume we were saved for a task to perform rather than for a relationship to enjoy. And that's really where I lived a lot of my early Christian life. I was trying hard to measure up. I was trying hard to be a good Christian. And no matter how hard I tried, it seemed like I could never measure up. Uh, For example, there were years of my Christian journey where there were even verses in the Bible that made absolutely no sense to me at all. For example, Jesus said, speaking to his followers in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and following, he said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, here's that word again, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I hope you heard those three words, Scott. Rest, easy, and light. And for all our listeners today, for me, for a lot of my Christian life, You could not have picked three words that were further removed from my understanding and experience of following Jesus. As a matter of fact, I was not experiencing rest, easy, and light. It was just the opposite. It was work, it was hard, and it was heavy. 
No matter how hard I tried to measure up, it seemed like I could never. I'd go to church. I'd see other people. It looked like they had it all together. But I knew on the inside what I was trying to do was perform, and I couldn't ever dot every I and cross every T. Then there's another verse. Um, John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Freedom is not what I was experiencing at all. As a matter of fact, what I felt was more like bondage. And to make matters worse, by this point on my spiritual journey, not only was I feeling that and experiencing that myself, I was in a position of leadership. I was supposed to be leading other people in this thing of following Jesus, and I wasn't even sure what I was experiencing myself. Wow. So as a leader, you were saying things, you were preaching things that you weren't actually experiencing. I think that's key for our listeners because that can be the plight of leadership. People are looking to you for direction, for guidance. And if we're not careful, we begin to lead from this unhealthy place and almost become bitter because we're selling something we're not experiencing. Yes, God, I think you're absolutely right. And I like to say it this way. Um, Long term, you cannot lead what you do not live. And that's exactly where I found myself uh, at this place on my spiritual journey. I was trying to lead others to experience the rest and freedom in Christ that I wasn't living myself. And to make it even worse, by this point, I was pastoring a church. I was teaching and preaching these principles, yet realizing an internal struggle because I didn't feel the freedom and the victory and the, the abundant life that I was promising others that they could find. And I was pastoring a church in a small town in the Bible Belt. And in this church where I was, I'd been there about three years, and the church was experiencing tremendous, phenomenal growth. The church grew to to where at points we would have almost a fourth of the town. It's a town of about 4,000 people, and there were Sundays we would have six, seven, eight hundred people in our church. So this enormous uh, blessing and favor of God was being poured out on our church. Our church was growing, but in a small town in the Bible Belt, not everybody's always excited when the church grows. And so it created some internal conflict between myself and some other leaders in the church. And to make a real long story short, there was this power struggle that took place among uh, some of the pastoral leadership on the team and some of the the, the deacon and deacon and, and servant leadership there in the church, um, which ultimately led to them asking me and our entire staff team to leave. Now, again, you got to understand where I was. I was I was pastoring this church, doing everything I thought I was supposed to do. I was preaching the word. People were being saved. The church was growing. Ministry was going well. If anybody looked at me on the outsides, they would have said, man, this guy's leading very well. And yet in the middle of all of that, the wheels came off and everything fell apart. And in one night, having been forced to resign from the church where I'd been serving, I lost everything that I thought I was supposed to be pursuing and was left with nothing but Jesus to come to the absolute greatest discovery of my life, and that is that Jesus is enough. Um, and man, that's a place that no matter where you are, if you're listening to this and you're in, you're in a position of leadership, specifically spiritual leadership, it doesn't matter if it's in the church or where it is, but as you serve in a role of leadership, if you can't get to the place that Jesus is enough, not Jesus plus success, not Jesus plus a growing ministry or platform, but simply Jesus is enough, that's where all of us need to get to. And God had to really take me through some dark days of brokenness in my own life. And that's when I talked last time about a guy that God used to really pour into my life named Clyde Cranford. It was in that season that that I met Clyde and Clyde began to teach me uh, to pursue Christ's life in the Gospels. 
Um, and it was in that process that I began to read in Luke chapter 4. And, and out of Luke chapter 4, some verses that God used to really change my life, I saw some stuff in Jesus that wasn't in me. I began to see this pursuit in the life of Christ, this, this passion for Jesus to live his life out of the overflow of intimacy with the Father. Um, and that's what Jesus did. He lived his life that way. And I had to learn the lesson that everything God desired, desired to accomplish through my life he was going to accomplish out of the overflow of what he was doing in my life. It was about intimacy with him. And the way I like to say it now, Scott, is this, that, that God, what I had to understand is that God's primary call on my life was not ministry. It was intimacy. God's primary call is not doing something for Jesus. God's primary call was being with Jesus. And then if you were going to finish that sentence, it's, it's God's primary call on my life is not ministry. It's intimacy. Ministry then is what he does out of the overflow of intimacy. Yeah, I can remember the first time I started going to Hope Church in 2007. One of the first times I ever heard you speak um, was on that, that idea, that principle of everything God desires to do in my life, he's going to do through my life as an overflow of my relationship with him. And, and now serving at Hope for over 10 years, this is the heartbeat of our culture at Hope Church. If there's one thing I would say is a staple, not only for our staff, but our volunteer leaders and the rest of our church, it's this idea of the Christ life. And we've been talking recently in what's, what God's doing in our church is that everything changes in God's presence. We say often that there's no substitute for time spent daily alone in fellowship with God. You've modeled that for a long time, as long as I've known you, and it's a staple for us as Jesus followers. So with all of our leaders listening who are leading in churches, in the marketplace, in schools, in many different leadership contexts, why is this principle that we just talked about not just for pastors? How does it apply to every Jesus follower and specifically Jesus followers in leadership? People who are leading in different capacities, this idea of everything God desires to do through us, he'll do out of the overflow of what he's doing in us. Yeah, and Scott, to answer that question, you gotta go back to what Christianity is. Christianity is not me living for Jesus. Christianity is Jesus living his life in and through me. Um, Major Ian Thomas is somebody who's had a great impact in my life, and Major says it this way. He said the Christian life is nothing less than the life he lived then, lived now by him in you. And so if that's what Christianity is, Christianity is not me living for him, but him living in and through me, then how does it happen? How does Christ live his life through me? Well, he teaches us that. In places like John 15 and others, he teaches us that Christ lives his life in and through us out of the overflow of our abiding in him. As you and I focus on intimacy with him, as we live moment by moment in dependence on him, then and only then will Christ live his life in and through us. So, yeah, if you're a pastor, this is extremely important because if you're a pastor and you want to lead others to experience the life of Christ in you, then yeah, you want to see that you are allowing him to live in and through you and leading others. But it's not just for pastors. It doesn't matter what kind of leader you are as a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you're a business leader, whether you're a leader in school, education, sports, whatever it is, what you really want to do is leverage that platform for the glory and honor of God. And so in doing that, the only thing that pleases the heart of the Father is the life of the Son in and through us. So as a leader, to leverage my platform and influence for the glory of God, 
I must allow Christ in me to live through me. And that only happens out of the overflow of intimacy with him. Wow. I think that is super crucial what you just said, because there's a, there's a common phrase in our Christian subculture that goes something like this, that we are going to live for Jesus. That's a phrase you and I have heard. And of course, the people who say that, they don't have any malicious intent. But you just said that you saw something in Jesus, specifically in Luke chapter 4, that maybe pushes back against that statement. It's not about living for Jesus, but letting him live his life through us. Where do you, where do you see that in the life of Jesus from Luke chapter 4? Yeah, this was a major paradigm shift for me in my own personal walk uh, and in, in the way I disciple and teach others. In Luke chapter 4, as I begin to read it, when you open that text in, in Luke 4 verse 42, the Bible says that Jesus is um, slipping away into the wilderness. It says he left and went to a secluded place. And it says he did that while the crowds were searching for him. So the Bible says here that Jesus left. It literally means that he was going away from something. Well, what was he walking away from? The crowds. The crowds were pressing in. What was in front of him? An opportunity to demonstrate leadership, an opportunity to do ministry, an opportunity to influence the lives of a lot of people. Now, somebody might read that and think, well, isn't that why Jesus came? I mean, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Here are the crowds coming to him, and yet we find Jesus, get this, walking away from ministry, walking away from influencing others to pursue intimacy with the Father. Because Mark, or excuse me, Luke doesn't tell us in Luke 4 where Jesus went. It just says he left and went away. The Gospel of Mark in Mark chapter 1 verse 35 tells us that he went away. Uh, he slipped away out to be alone with the Father. The Bible tells us in Mark 1.35 in the early morning while it was still dark that he arose and went out to a lonely place and was praying there. Jesus walked away from ministry to pursue intimacy with the Father. And it's how Jesus lived his entire ministry. It's why you read in places in the New Testament, for example, like in, in the Gospel of John, where Jesus said, when you hear my words, he said, it's not my words, it's the Father's words in me. Jesus said, when you see my works, it's not my works, it's the Father's works in me. Everything Jesus did, he did out of the overflow of intimacy with the Father, allowing the Father to work in and through him. And Jesus stated that over and over and over again in the Gospels. And so what he's invited us into is the exact same life. Again, Christianity is me allowing Christ in me to live through me. Well, if Jesus lived his life out of the overflow of intimacy with the Father, then what's it going to look like now for you and I to live the Christian life? It's Jesus living his life in and through us out of the overflow of intimacy with him. And some might think, you know, well, Vance, you're reading a little too much into that passage of Scripture. But I want to take you to another place in the text. In Mark chapter 3, when Jesus calls his very first disciples... Jesus, the Bible says, here's what it says about them. It says, he went up on the mountain in Mark chapter 3, verse 13, and he summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him, and he appointed 12 so that, now don't miss this, it says, so that they would be with him. Jesus invited these disciples, the very first 12 disciples that he called. He called to himself, and it's an important phrase in the Greek text. It says, so that. It means here's the reason why. Here's why he called them to himself, so that they could be with him. Then it says, and that he could send them out to preach. And somebody would go, aha, there you go. I knew we had to do something. But don't miss what he said. He said they were to be with him. Then he would send them out to preach. 
They had one job, one focus, one thing to pursue. It was being with him, intimacy with Jesus. And then he, through them, was going to make his life public out of the overflow of intimacy with him. Again, the primary call is not to do something for him. The primary call is to be with him. Okay, you just said a lot of amazing things. I'm going to try to recap and I want to speak into a couple things. The first, for all of our leaders listening, think about in our culture what it would be like to literally walk away like Jesus did from thousands of people. I mean, this is Twitter followers, Instagram followers. In the culture we live in of building your brand, Jesus walked away from that. And so that is a huge challenge for all of us as leaders, not to pursue necessarily spotlight and and fame and uh, building our brand and as many followers as we could get at the expense of our personal relationship with Jesus, everything that Pastor Vance just said. Um, Also, Vance, I want you to comment real quick on this idea of, again, for for people who are leading in different capacities, because a lot of times people will hear Bible verses and things you just threw out and think, okay, I'm not a pastor, I'm moving on. When you just said this idea of the disciples being called to be with him so that he would send them out, the principal at a high school right now, or the person going into sell car insurance or whatever it may be, as they're getting ready for work, listening to this podcast, how does that principle apply to their lives? How does it apply that, that he has called us not to go be something for him, but to be with him so that he could send us out? Would you just maybe specifically on some of these areas that people think they're not professional Christians, um, speak to them today as they're listening to this podcast? Sure thing. Um, I think... One of the great misunderstandings we have about the mission of God is that there are what you just called it, these professionals, pastors and missionaries who are accomplishing the mission of God, but nothing could be further from the truth. Every doctor, every school teacher, every construction worker, every principal, every lawyer, every nurse, uh, whatever field you find yourself in, we are all, we've been brought to him relationally, so that through our lives, he can accomplish his mission, bring glory to himself. And here's what's amazing about that. We find our great joy and fulfillment, the greatest joy, the greatest fulfillment, the greatest purpose we can ever know is being a part of the eternal redemptive mission of God, which ultimately results in him being glorified. And so for every one of us, that's the key. Well, how do I do that? How do I live and leverage my life and the leadership position that I have, regardless of whether or not it's in the church, outside the church, doesn't matter. The the key is intimacy with God because it's only out of the overflow of intimacy with Him that we'll find Christ in us living through us. And, 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 And here's the reality. The reason this is so difficult in our daily lives is because the enemy knows the deal. The enemy doesn't care how much good we try to do as long as we don't be. Because it's when we be with Jesus that he begins to do through us in a way that we could never accomplish on our own. And so uh, everything in our life is pulling at us. Um, and that's why so many in, in ministry and in leadership, specifically in spiritual leadership, we find that everything is pulling us away from, we get so busy that we don't have time to spend time with God. I got too much good stuff to do. Um, And it becomes the great mistress that leads us and woos us away. And here's what I found for those in in ministry, specifically in pastoral ministry or church ministry. Um, I've been doing this now for 27 years, and I've had friends that have fallen morally in ministry. Every man that I know that fell 
uh, in ministry, that had an affair while he was in ministry, first had an affair with the ministry. And it was the ministry that wooed him away from intimacy with God and opened him up to the possibility of every temptation under heaven. Every one of us, no matter where we are, whatever platform of leadership we have, the key is always intimacy with Him. Otherwise, we wind up in that rat race of, of I can't ever measure up. I can't seem to accomplish. I can't seem to, to, to do what I'm supposed to do. But when we begin to live out of the overflow of intimacy with Him, then we begin to understand freedom. We begin to experience rest, and we find that it really is light. Yeah, so leaders, I hope you heard in this podcast all that we're trying to communicate. The primary call in your life is not ministry. The primary call is intimacy with Jesus. The primary call in your life is not leadership. The primary call is, is, is intimacy with Jesus. The primary call is not a big portfolio, a perfect family, a good reputation. The primary call for us as Jesus followers is that we would be with him. So Vance, as we finish up this podcast uh, episode, uh, I'd like to I'd like to give our, our our listeners a couple practical questions that maybe you can answer um, that might be helpful. People here to spend time with God. They hear about this idea of of getting with God daily, and maybe they get a little nervous. As simple as it may sound, for you and your personal life, just getting real practical. What are some practical tips on how you spend time with God on a daily basis? What are some practical tips for our listeners? Yeah, and Scott, even before I answer that, let me let me say this about what you just said that I think is so important. Um, if you're listening to this today, I, I don't I don't know what your area of leadership is, but it doesn't matter again. Wh- wherever it might be in society or in the church, um, everything about your ability to lead effectively in a way that glorifies and honors God and, and where you find yourself today will rise and fall based on your time alone with Jesus every day. Everything about your ability to lead successfully. I don't, I'm not talking to just pastors. I'm talking to school teachers. I'm talking to police officers. I'm talking to contractors. Everything about your ability to lead today will rise and fall based on your intimate time with Jesus. And, and, and listen, that's what Jesus modeled for us. And if Jesus... Listen to this. If Jesus needed to be alone with the Father, how much more do you and I need to be alone with the Father? So to, to give you a couple of practical tools, I would say a couple of things. First of all, let me just use the word time. Um, time. I think it's important that you set aside a time every day to be alone with God. James chapter 4 and verse 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. That, that phrase, draw near to God, the way it's constructed in the New Testament speaks about a specific time every day that you carve out to be alone with God. Everything in your life today that matters, I promise you, you've scheduled it into your day. If it matters to you, you've set aside a time. So whether it's the morning, the afternoon, the evening, I recommend for me it works best in the morning. I need to be with God first. I need him to grab my heart before the things of this world grab my heart. Because if my heart doesn't fix on Jesus, it's going to fix on the first thing that comes along. So I need to be with him first. But whether, however you work it into your rhythm, make sure that you schedule a time every day to be alone with God. And maybe, maybe this is something that's new for you. I would encourage you to start with just 15 minutes. Now, over time, I think it should grow past that. But a great starting place is just to say, okay, 15 minutes, I'm going to be alone with God today. And then once you have the time, let me encourage you to get the tools, the tools. Uh, Get you a journal, get you a Bible, maybe grab a devotional book. 
um, and use those things not just to go through the motions of reading the Bible and reading a devotion, but those become tools through which you spend time with God. When, when, when I begin to read the Bible, you could, for example, start in the book of Psalms. Just open to Psalms, start in Psalm 1-1, start reading the Psalms. And before you begin to read, say, God, today I'm not reading the Bible to read the Bible. I'm reading the Bible because I want to spend time with you. So, Lord, I'm going to do my best to listen. If you desire to speak, would you give me the grace to hear what you want to say to me? And then you just start reading in the psalm. And you read as long as you've got set aside time to read. Uh, if it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is, you read. Um, and then when you're finished, you, you make some notes in that journal. What did you hear God say? If you hear the Lord speak, you write it down. Um, but again, the focus is to be with God. And if, you, if you're reading through the text, you're reading through the scripture, if you got a question, ask God. If you see a command in Scripture, submit to it. If you see a promise, claim it. And let the Word of God begin to be the centerpiece of a conversation that you're having daily with the Father. So those are a couple things. Just get some, get, get some time carved out, then make sure you have the tools set aside, journal, Bible, devotional book, and sit down in that time that you've allotted and focus on being with God. And, and let me just add this too. Listen, I understand that it won't always feel magical. Uh, some people think that when you spend time with God, there's got to be lightning bolts and emotions and your spine's tingling up and down. Listen, there are days it's very emotional. There are days it's not. But you don't have to conjure up the presence of God. When you sit down to be with Him, you can by faith know that He is there. That's good. And I've asked Pastor Vance for a list of resources that he's used in his personal life um, just as he spent time with God over the years that we will make sure we link in the show notes. Uh, but our time has come to a close for this episode of the podcast. And we encourage you as you listen to it, uh, maybe you thought it'd be helpful for your leadership teams or your family or whoever else you think would benefit from this content. We encourage you to listen through it with them, have conversations about it. And if you like what you heard, we would love for you to share it on social media. Also, you can rate and review this podcast. It really helps get the word out and hopefully reach more and more leaders to get in on God's activity wherever he has them leading. Thanks again for joining us. We'll be back next month with another great episode on leadership with Pastor Vance Pittman. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.